And welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. I am here with Randall McDonald. And I am here with Brian Paradise. And we are here to talk about uh, movies from Saturday Night Live sketches. So there's been a lot of movies uh, featuring former cast members. Obviously, a lot of them have become uh, movie stars after the fact. But we are specifically talking about movies that were made based on existing SNL characters. So a character got big and then they made a movie about it. I when I when we were talking about this before, I thought there was more of these, but I Same. was wrong. Same. I thought that that it, there'd be at least twenty. <laughs> so there there are eleven. Yeah, and only with, eleven. Only eleven, and they are as follows: uh, the Blues Brothers, uh, classic from nineteen eighty, and then Wayne's World, which was uh, nineteen ninety two. Coneheads in 93, Wayne's World 2 in 93 as well. And then It's Pat, based on the Julia Sweeney character in 1994. In 95, Stewart saves his family, based on the Stuart Smalley character from former Senator Al Franken. Uh, Blues Brothers 2000 in 98. Night at the Roxbury, based on the Roxbury guys' characters of Chris Kattan and Will uh, Farrell in 98. Uh, and then Superstar in 99, based on the Mary Catherine Gallagher character. Ladies' Man in 2000. And then MacGruber, based on the MacGruber sketch w- from Will Forte in 2010. So when you're when you hear that like list of movies and the years in which they were made what kind of what jumps out at you randall what's weird is it it seems like they make them in clumps yeah you know like it seems like yeah like they'll go on like a three-year like bender and then they'll be like okay we're done and then they'll try it again what's weird to me is that they haven't tried to do it since 2006 that's a that's a long time yeah, so MacGruber was 2010. And oh, that's 2010. The la- yeah, and that's the okay. last one. Yeah, but that's still 10 years ago. That's the longest, I guess, stint, right, of not having a SNL movie. Yeah, so there was uh, basically between Blues Brothers and Wayne's World, there was about 12 years. And what's interesting about that specific time period is that is, you know, the first few years of SNL. Lauren gets fired. It basically becomes a different show. And then when he, when Lauren comes back, it looks like he is really looking to capitalize in a variety of ways. So he has not only uh, during the nineties, Wayne's World, Coneheads, Wayne's World 2, It's Pat, Stewart Says His Family, Blues Brothers 2000, Night at the Roxbury, and Superstar. So that whole stretch happens between 92 and 99. But also that's where I think also at the time, Lauren's Broadway video um, production company starts getting behind a bunch of stuff too. So he is the producer of Conan's late night show, uh, among other projects. So I think Lauren is just like um, what they ta- what they call in the, the Ringer podcast. With uh, he's kind of like at his apex mountain. He's at the mm-hmm. height of his powers uh, <laughs> and really feeling himself. And so I think they they do all that. But yeah, that's what it is striking to me as well. So basically, between Blues Brothers and Wayne's World, so twelve years. They don't make anything. Then they make a ton of them in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Stop in 2000 with Ladies Man. Make MacGruber 10 years later. And then that's it. Now, there are talks that there could be a Wayne's World 3 coming out soon. God, I hope not. 
Uh, I, I heard that that's what that Uber commercial was, was them testing out if people were still into them. Um, so maybe we'll get, <laughs> maybe we'll get ours in the twenties, but, okay. uh, I don't know. You, you don't like that idea. No, like I've lost faith in Mike Myers, I think is my problem. Ah, okay. Um, I love Mike Myers and I, you know, I am a child of the nineties. So I really loved SNL obviously yeah. and Wayne's world and then the Austin Powers movies and then in Trek. And I think that it's been a, he just kind of stopped writing things. Yeah. And I think the best thing that he's done in the last 15 years was his scene in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's kind of it. Is- yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, he was in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie too for like a little bit, uh, but yeah, we did we did a we did a whole episode on Mike Myers and just his career. That's how much we love him. Yeah, uh, I really like Mike Myers, but it, even in that uh, episode, it was really like the last ten years. There hasn't been much of anything. And while I do appreciate some '90s nostalgia, I am not above being kind of taken in by that kind of stuff. Like it's just sad seeing those guys in that uh, in those costumes. Like I think there's a period. Yeah. I think there's a thing that happens where like your your face becomes incongruous with your outfit. So like you know people that like dye their hair into their seventies. It's like we know that you don't have colored hair. And I think right. that like seeing them in like the long wigs. It's like dude, you're in your sixties. Oh my gosh! I think yeah. Dana Carvey's in his sixties. He's definitely. Uh, I think maybe Mike Myers is close. Yeah. You know, what's funny though is, is Mike Myers is the one who looks, <laughs> I think Dana Carvey's kind of looked like that for a long time. Well, right. Yeah. He just kind of got that like thin face going on. I guess Mike Myers is 57, but uh, Dana Carvey is definitely in his sixties. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so let's get into uh, some of these movies. So we're not going to go through all of them. We'll, we'll maybe do a couple of kind of highlights, but we want to get kind of our relationship with the ones that we've seen uh, more often. So I think we can start at the beginning. So what, talk to me about the Blues Brothers. Yes, the Blues Brothers, um, I think is one of the, it is, I think, the most uh, famous SNL sketch into a movie, or, or at least the most nostalgic for everybody it was it made history because it's the first snl sketch into a, a movie and it was just the height of john belushi uh yeah i mean i think i read somewhere that that at this time he had the top uh song on on uh the billboards the top uh he was on the top tv show and he was on the top grossing movie of all oh, time amazing. uh so he had all three and i think that's only happened a couple of times, but pretty much the Blues Brothers. It's based. It's a musical comedy, uh, based off of the the sketch and the musical group, the Blues Brothers, with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. What I think is interesting about this one, in particular, not only is it the first one, but I think that this is the one where more people would probably not know that it is um, related to a sketch, because like they would mm-hmm. come out and like sing kind of blues standards and stuff. But I think it's been so long and it is so well regarded as a movie and as a movie doesn't really 
do the, the sketch was so limited. It's like, oh, they're going to go sing somebody to love with the band that it's not like they had to work a lot of like, oh, this this joke happened in the sketches. So we're going to put this joke in the movie. It really just exists on its own as this great kind of classic musical comedy action movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember I, I saw the Blues Brothers before I saw this movie. I, my family took me to Universal studios and they did like a performance uh these impersonators and i was maybe like five or six years old and that was i remember my dad being like i gotta show you that movie <laughs> and uh that was my first like introduction to the blues brothers <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i think i may have had basically the same memory because we would go to universal in orlando when i was a kid when they would have uh, when they would have the blues brothers there and i i definitely remember that but yeah it's interesting i think that what's cool about this, what I love about this movie is that it is the plot is we just got to get the band together. Right. And I think that they say that a bunch of times. And so basically, you know, every stop on their journey is a great musical number. And I also really liked that they brought in real musicians to, to do this. So like the blues brothers exist in the same world as a version of Ray Charles and you know, a version of Aretha Franklin and like the band that the Blues Brothers have are not great actors. They're just musicians, which is great. Yeah. So it's just like these guys that are actual musicians and then they get, we get these great musical numbers with all these legends, which I think is why it works so well. It's not just like, let's watch Dan Aykroyd play the harmonica for an hour yeah. and a half. It is all these great numbers like... Um, the think number in the uh, in the restaurant is great. The Ray mm -hmm. Charles number uh, in the the music shop that then like bleeds out into this like big dance yeah. number on the street is so cool. Like I think that um, not only is the plot really simple, we just got to get it from A to B and get the band together so we can make some money. Um, but like all the numbers are so good. It's it's so it's it's amazing and it's it's. I think that that might've been the tricky thing with um, making these sketches into films was just the star power that I think Belushi brought um, and the talent that he brought. You didn't really need that big of a, that much of a script. It didn't need to be too complex. And I think then after this, it was like, well, we'll just do that again, but you don't have Belushi anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think that they, they were taking Character, characters were more developed. So there was more expectations going in. I think going into Blues Brothers is right. more of a blank slate. They right. dance funny and sing Sam and Dave songs. Right. Yeah, I, I, I forgot that, yeah, a lot of people don't even know that they're a part of a sketch. And yeah, maybe that is the key to not have a lot of backstory so you don't really know what's <laughs> yeah what's going on. I, I read, I had a, one fact from this movie that's so funny is that this held the record for most cars destroyed in a movie until yes. I think 2018. So that's pretty cool. I think it was like 108 or 120 cars were destroyed. Oh yeah. Just the, the sheer carnage of when there's that one part where they're all just like going into the same ditch, like yeah. off the side of the road. <laughs> and that um, mall chase scene is so cool. And that's, what's also interesting about this is this is, uh, so it's written by John Landis with Dan Aykroyd and directed by John Landis. And he's got like a 
complicated life, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. John Landis, uh, you know, probably responsible for the death of a couple of kids um, from the Twilight Zone movie. But, you know, going into this, he had already made the directed the Kentucky Fried movie. He had already directed Blues Brothers. He goes on to do American Werewolf in Paris. I'm sorry, American Werewolf in London and Trading Places and um, uh, Coming to America. And so, like, he was a pretty hot comedy director throughout the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they bring him back to do Blues Brothers 2000. But like his 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 IMDb is fascinating because it's basically like all these movies you like. And then he kind of has his reputation gets up to him. And then he's been basically doing nothing for the last 20 years. It's funny. Is that just like the career of every SNL or like member? I, I like every member that happens to I'm I can't think of one where it was like they survived it. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it helped John Landis's career that he was probably responsible for the death of a couple of kids. Yeah, like no, that, yeah, that's not that's, great. that's not ideal. But you know, and Dan Aykroyd has become like a like a kook. Yeah, like a weirdo. So that's what's uh, challenging about him because I love the Ghostbusters and I love Dan Aykroyd for a lot of reasons. But he's also kind of a maniac now. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, they all go crazy. I think. I guess. So, uh, so that's the first one. That's Blues Brothers. Uh, I think we should jump to, so we talked about a a movie that had kind of low expectations going in because there wasn't a lot of kind of weight it needed to lift Mm -hmm. going into it and defied expectations, being a classic, whatever. Let's jump to the most recent movie. Uh, that is MacGruber directed by Jorma Tacone, who is a member of the Lowly Island. Uh, also uh, written by uh, Will Forte and John Solomon, who is an SNL writer and a writing partner, Will Forte. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on MacGruber? I love MacGruber. Um, I know that that we're not ranking them, but if I ranked it, this would be my third. I mean, it has to be. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, the, the sketch is so simple. It's just... Yeah fast and it's the same like whatever the problem is he's going to keep making the same mistake with that problem and when they turned it into a movie you get kind of worried about that premise coming in and i like that they didn't really do that joke they just explored that character and will forte i mean just so funny there's so many just hilarious scenes in this movie um one thing that like is stuck in my head forever and I do it sometimes here and there is the sex scene when he <laughs> he's making this, those noises where he's like, eh, eh. Uh, that's just, it's so funny. Uh, what was your thoughts on it? I remember being very excited to see MacGruber in the theaters and, and going to see it and really, really enjoying it. Like it is a fun, and this is like the Blues Brothers that basically the sketch was one joke. You don't learn that much mm-hmm. about MacGruber because they're meant to be fast. And typically yeah. if MacGruber was in an episode, you would get it a few times. So it'd be like a couple of, and it was set up as a film sketch. So it'd be, you get a couple of these quick hit kind of one joke things. And it's a one joke sketch, right? Yeah. That he, whatever the situation is, he is going to fail. Uh, and had that great kind of on the nose theme song too. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> So the kind of solving problems with uh, household appliance, like it was so great. Yeah. 
Um, and then the movie, because, and this is, I think, before most folks knew who Will Forte was going to be. This is obviously before Last Man on Earth. And right. he's got such a strange, kind of absurdist <laughs> comedy style. And he got to just like fully express that in this movie. And so it is a little bit of a play on action movies. It is, um, you know, it's, it is a movie that includes a sex scene with a ghost. Yeah. Uh, and a fat Val Kilmer as the bad guy. And then a bunch of like WWE wrestlers that they then blow up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Just, it's so much fun and it subverts all these expectations. And also like they kind of cast Ryan Phillippe at kind of the height of his thing against type. So he's like, kind yeah. of this movie, and like, who knows if he actually knows what movie he's making. And I, I like really, really liked it and it made zero money. And yeah. it's basically the reason why they haven't made an SNL movie in 10 years. It's so it's so weird because I, I definitely think that this is one of the best SNL movies, but I just, maybe it was the time, you know, it's 2010. Maybe that's right when we're getting Avenger movies and, and these big, you know, movies. And and it definitely also has the the Lonely Island type humor, which yes. they were, you know, you watch movies like Hot Rod and Popstar and those were like hits. Um, but maybe just this one missed because people didn't really know Will Forte. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, uh, I think that like expectations did not match what was provided, even though I think that it was a really, really great kind of absurd comedy movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, opinion has turned around on this. I think more people are finding it um on video and kind of streaming and stuff so they are making a mcgruber show they are yes yes so uh, i think he announced that on um late night or he had did okay. a, they did it like a teaser or something that they're going to bring it uh back as a peacock show oh sweet that's perfect yeah because that it's such a fun character and will forte deserves it i mean it yeah, so good. I really respect that what he has done with his career is things that he seems like that he finds interesting. Like, yeah. he is, like Last Man on Earth is a weird show and he is great in it. It's so it's so weird. And it's eerily true. Have you read like the synopsis of it? Says of, oh, of I watched like the first season. Oh yeah, but if you read like the synopsis, it says like a an airborne virus kills everybody in 2020. Oh, and god. like that's like the <laughs> you're like oh god, and then he's like, and then he moves to Tucson, Arizona. You're just oh. like everything's lining up. <laughs> it's funny. Like, uh, I can't. Uh, I forget that it's supposed to take place in Arizona because it is clearly filmed in LA. Oh yeah, oh, it's like whatever yeah. they do. Southern Arizona, it's like, unless there's like a bunch of saguaro and zero pine, uh, pine, palm trees, you're not fooling a, a, a Tucson in. But yeah, yeah, I forgot that it technically does take place in, in Arizona. Yeah, it's supposed to. So, uh, yeah, I really like McGruber. So I was looking, it made uh, like little less than $10 million on a $10 million budget. So, so it, lose so money. It, yeah, it like barely, it like lost... 
like half a million dollars, at least on the production oh. budget. And who knows how much <laughs> more it lost than that. Like, I think it made $9.4 million on a $10 million budget. And especially when you have, you know, it being backed by an SNL character and Will Forte coming off of his run on SNL, like he should have done better. Like it, it just, uh, I think that is the reason why there hasn't been one. Right. So there, there was 10 years between ladies, man and MacGruber. MacGruber is not a success by any metric other than people like it, but not enough. Yeah. And it goes away. This is the kind of movie that like, if Netflix existed in the in the way that it does now then i think this would have been a perfect netflix hulu kind of straight to streaming kind of movie like hey this character they like here you go yeah you didn't spend any money on it you would have had a good time that is so true i didn't even think about that but yeah it's, it's like it was in the wrong time the technology wasn't there the medium that that is perfect for was not there yet yeah because it was basically just like tv direct to video or um a movie and i think that the expectations that you get from a full cinematic release are just too high like we were we were talking have you seen um coming numeral to america yet not yet i have not seen it yet so uh aaron and i watched it my wife and it is perfectly fine perfectly fine we we watch we like coming to america so we like had watched the original movie like the week before it came out and then we watched it and it's a fun little retro thing they brought basically everybody back um but i think if i spent like 20 bucks on movie tickets and another 20 bucks on snacks and then went and saw that at the theaters i'd be kind of mad but the fact that it just like appeared on hulu that a service that or sorry amazon like a service that i already pay for i was like oh all right yeah. Two hours went by and I had a good time. Yeah. Was, so I, I think that uh, MacGruber, that is, it would, that's why I'm glad that it's coming to, to Peacock because it'll be like, oh, this is a thing that I like. I'll watch it on this thing that I already pay for. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe then it'll find success finally. <laughs> Hopefully. I think it's great. So, uh, so we talked about kind of where we bookended the, the movies. So I think my, uh, Probably the one out of this whole list that I've seen the most is Wayne's World 2. Wayne's World 2 is the yes. one that you've seen the most? Why yes. is that? Uh, I think it is because uh, it was on cable when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, it, it, the, the same thing is true that I've seen Ghostbusters 2 way more than, way more than Ghostbusters. And that is purely like that is because it was on HBO a lot. So like, okay. I recognize that Ghostbusters is a better movie than Ghostbusters 2, but I've seen Ghostbusters 2 like a million times. Um, <laughs> and that's all to say, Wayne's World 2 is the same thing. And, and I'm a big Aerosmith fan. Ah. So, yeah. um, you know, so Wayne's World 2 is the se- uh, sequel to the original Wayne's World, uh, directed by a guy named Steven Sergic. Um, and... His resume includes uh, not just a bunch of weird stuff. So he had made um, kind of television, but the thing that I think that got him the job was he was a director uh, on Kids in the Hall. So okay. he kind of knew how to direct comedy. Um, but basically, after this, he just makes a bunch more television. So this wasn't the beginning of his movie career. It was kind of like the only part of his movie career, 
which is fine. But um, so we're in Tool 2. Uh, what I like about this is it really has fun with what a sequel is. It mm-hmm. has, uh, you know, the idea that you have to get uh, bigger. They were able to bring in more of their pals. So there's just like a million great uh, people doing cameos. Uh, this is also, I think, before Christopher Walken became the character Christopher Walken. Yeah. If that makes sense, right? So he's, you know, not super serious actor, deer hunter Christopher Walken, but he's also not like balls of fury Christopher Walken. He's like in the middle somewhere. And he is great as kind of the the bad boyfriend for Tia Carrera, kind of reprising yeah. the Rob Lowe character. And he has this great like, uh, dance scene where we I don't know how much we knew about Christopher Walken as a dancer, but it's got like uh, a great dubbed fight scene with legendary actor James Hong uh, and then Farley's in it and he's great. And they also have these kind of fantasy sequences where he um, hangs out with Jim Morrison, just like yeah. in the <laughs> desert <laughs> which is kind of a play on the movie The Doors and among other things. So it was like, it is so weird and awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah. They also do the uh, the ending from Thelma and Louise, which I saw, I think I saw this movie before I saw Thelma and Louise. And then when I saw that at older, I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they, they do the multiple endings, which they, you know, yeah. riffing on for the first movie. Um, and... They do the Thelma and Louise ending, which they just call out directly. But also, the actual ending is the end of The Graduate. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Very accurately <laughs> portrayed as well. Um, and then uh, Tia Carrere is back, and she's great. And Chris Farley is great. And again, they, they, it's funny. They do some kind of adjacent movie parodies. But this is also not just one of those quote-unquote parody movies where they do like the kind of officer and a gentleman thing with Chris Rock. Like, why are you st- still here? I got no place else to go. Um, yeah. And then just a lot of, God, I love this movie. Oh, oh and the, they they do the great uh, bit where um, he's supposed to be getting directions right at the end of the movie. And then uh, kind of a, a hallmark of these movies is kind of going to camera and kind of talking directly and breaking the fourth wall. And he's like, I know this is a small part, but can't we get a better actor? And then they bring in Charlton Heston. Oh, right. Uh, to explain how to get to the First Presbyterian Church. Ah, I love this movie. <laughs> this is a meta movie. You, you know what I was wondering is, was Kevin Pollack doing the Christopher Walken impression before this movie? Because they're because that's what he like became famous for. And I wonder if this movie, he had already been doing it or this is what inspired it. Ah, <sighs> oh, man. They're probably around the same time. I'm a big fan of Kevin Pollack. Um, And my earliest memory of him is watching Comic Relief on HBO when I was a kid. And that would have been around the same time. That would have been mid-90s. But yeah, that he's the guy uh, missing an I and they got to cross their T's and dot all their lowercase J's. (laughs) Is there something wrong with that one weird I? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it ends with um, uh, Aerosmith at Wayne Stock playing uh, Shut Up and Dance. It's great. 
It's a great film. I, I wonder if they should just stick with musical movies. Maybe that's the key for SNL sketches to succeed. Cause I just realized that too. Like the blues brothers and Wayne's world are the two, two best sketches into movies. And uh, they're both about bands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, being able to invite a lot of friends over, I think it also makes these movies successful. And I think that's why the blues brothers is so great because they have all these, you know, great musicians doing, yeah. um, doing musical numbers. And then, you know, and kind of, go ahead. It kind of mimics, it kind of mimics the show. The fact that you have a musical guest in the, in the, in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. And like one of the best versions of the Wayne's world, at least in my humble opinion, one of the best versions of the Wayne's world sketch is the episode in which Aerosmith comes over. So Aerosmith is the musical guest. Tom Hanks is hosting. And the, in this version, have you seen this one? Yeah, I, I think I have. So that like, um, like their cousin or somehow they are related to Tom Hanks, who is the roadie for Aerosmith. So they get Aerosmith to come on Wayne's world because of Tom Hanks. Uh, his character, and he plays this like very self serious, like um, roadie and setting up the microphones and like setting up uh, Steven Tyler's scarf correctly. He does like this very aggressive, like check one, check two, sibilance kind of thing. And then Aerosmith is uh, elsewhere in the house, being getting the grand tour of the house, um, including their like breakfast nook and stuff. <laughs> uh, and then it ends with Aerosmith being there. But, um, but yeah, so like th that's also nice too, is that the that Steven Tyler is certainly something of a ham and was able to, and they already had a relationship with um, Mike Myers and that's the way you kind of raise the stakes, right? Like in the first movie, it's a little bit smaller and then like, Oh, this really successful comedy movie. We'll just get everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think even, so where's well two is probably the one that I've seen the most. Um, what, uh, what's another one you want to talk about? Um, I mean, we could briefly touch on Wayne's World 1, since we're already on Wayne's World. I guess we should. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another classic. This one, did this one gross the most money? I think it did out of all the sketches. Uh, box office of $183 million, So that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's legendary. You ask anybody of my generation about Wayne's World, and they probably actually sadly don't know it, but they do know the car scene. Right. Which uh, pisses me off a little bit, but also awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's just so much about the movie that they can make Bohemian Rhapsody better. <laughs> How right. does that happen? Well, and that's what's so interesting is that like, you know, so this came out in 92 when I was eight. But so, but I remember in elementary school that bohemian rhapsody was just like a popular song that it mm -hmm. there's a whole group of people like you're saying that know this song from wayne's world more than queen yeah um and what's interesting about uh the director is that she was known for like kind of rock and roll documentaries and stuff and kind of fancied herself a kind of serious director. So I guess there was a lot of kind of conflict, which is what makes sense that for Wayne's World 2, they brought in a comedy director. But they, I think, wanted more, some authenticity with 
the the music and the, and kind of the rock and roll of everything. And so that was Penelope Spheris. But this movie is uh, written by Mike Myers and this kind of writing duo, Bonnie and, and Terry Turner. And it is the first SNL movie after the Blues Brothers. And like you said, probably the most successful one. And this is one where like... Uh, probably the most quotable this in blues brothers is probably the the one whose kind of vernacular has kind of um infected many brains especially in kind of gen xers and old millennials like myself <laughs> yeah yeah i it's it's a it's just a classic it's a classic movie and yeah just like from everybody who was in the the second one the a lot of them are in this one as well uh but yeah, this one just rocks. I mean, it just rocks. It's a good, it's a it's a good sketch to and then what's interesting about Wayne's world is that this one is one where we do know the characters very well. Yeah. And and they were able to make this whole movie based off of the sketch, and it's very similar to the sketch. Yeah, I think what they did, I think why this works in talking about the sketch is that there was within the sketch, there was this kind of world that they created around them, right? So, like, we knew that there were these kind of knucklehead guys in their parents' basement. Mm -hmm. We know that. So going into the movie, we have these knucklehead guys that make the show. Like, in the world of the sketch, they are making a show. Which allows them, in the movie, to be these knucklehead metal guys that make a show in their basement. And they did a really good job of, like, okay, so the way that they can make that feel like a movie is what if they got some notoriety and they found some success and then they got the, you know, they have that great scene where they talk about how they don't want to sell out while they're also showing all these corporate logos and doing all this product placement, like the pizza yeah. thing and the, the new print, like the, the mm-hmm. headache medicine and the Pepsi, whatever. And then uh, all the Noah's arcade stuff when they like rebuild the, the, the basement uh, in, in, on the soundstage and then you get a great sleazy Rob Lowe performance as um, that, the, one of those jokes that I did not get for a very long time when they were ordering uh, Chinese food uh, and he said and Wayne says that he would have he would like the cream of some young guy did not know what the, I did not understand that when I was uh, when I was 10 figured it out <laughs> yeah um, but some great um, just great. Uh, uh, I remember uh, this is one of the things that my wife and I will say to each other every once in a while, um, where the there's that one character who just keeps on saying "I love you." Yeah, I love you, man. It's like just no, no, just don't just say thank you. Yeah, <laughs> or even like the uh, um, I don't even own a gun. Kind of emphasizing that, like that is definitely something that I've said in my life. Yeah. I mean, even when somebody says party on, they're, they're usually saying it like them. Party on. Yeah. Ah. And then my band uh, plays, I'm in a band. So my band plays uh, Ballroom Blitz. And that is, and the reason why I know that song is because of this movie. Because wow. I did not know it was a song by Sweet. I just thought it was a, a song by Crucial Taunt. Uh, oh. Like Tia Carrere's <laughs> band in this movie. You know how I know Blitz Street Bop? Rock band. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, I love this movie. 
It's a so great, it's super great. And uh, yeah, I don't know what I think about a third one, but <laughs> no. And that's the thing. Like they, I think that they came back recently on SNL. Like they did a cold open or something. And even that was like a little sad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, they came, they did it in 2015 for their, I guess the, the 40th anniversary special. And oh, then yeah. they did that Super Bowl ad and it's just, nah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I think we can round out, uh, with one. Oh, uh, please let's quickly talk about, uh, your research into, uh, Stewart saves his family. Ooh, Stuart saves his family. I didn't do much research on that oh, one. Oh, was it was it that or it's Pat? Which is the it, one? It's Pat. Okay. Pat Pat is uh has a zero percent on Ron Tomato. It is one of the few films that have acquired a zero percent that is so rare in the film community. And Pat uh acquired that and it was so bad, so bad that after weeks of having it in uh in theaters or just one week, they pulled it from the theaters, the, the production company. I forget what, what company it was, but they pulled it. That's how bad that movie was. And I just wanted to make a quick shout out to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's so interesting is that like, so uh, uh, the box office for this movie mm-hmm. is $60,000. What's the what's the budget for it? Eight million dollars. <laughs> it's also like stupid short. It's seventy eight minutes. Yeah, I feel like that's because they started making it, or like this is just crap. <laughs> Which yeah. is weird too, because I actually like that character. The character Pat is funny on SNL. Yeah, well, I think this is the equivalent as if they tried to have made a a Debbie Downer movie. Like the the character is one joke, right? And, you know, the, it's also, we've talked about, uh, uh, kind of SNL having a history of kind of not great, uh, kind of gay panic kind of, kind of things. And like the whole joke of this character is so, it is so, uh, out of date, you know, cause like basically Pat is non-binary which is like yeah. perfectly fine. Like it, it, that is a thing to be. And so I, I back in the nineties, I don't think anybody was like, the reason why I don't like this movie is because whatever. <laughs> I think it's because it was a bad movie based it on wasn't okay funny. character, but yeah, but it's like this one joke. And then the, the director this guy named uh, Adam Bernstein has made a ton of great television, uh, Oh, like kind of directing kinds of things. So he's directed episodes of Billions and The Sinner and Better Call Saul oh. and Divorce and SVU and Orange is the New Black. And uh, I think he's directed Fargo and stuff. So like he is uh, very, yeah, he is one of the executive producers on Fargo. So he has done just fine. But uh, this, I just don't think this was uh, that great. And, you know, uh, written in part by Julia Sweeney, who's, you know, she's all right. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, let's round out with, uh, with one last one. 
Yeah. Which one do you want to do? I think we can, uh, I think we can talk about, uh, Cohen heads briefly and, and, and call it good. This is what I think this one's really interesting because basically like, uh, they make blues brothers based on an active character. And then Mm -hmm. 12 years later, they make the, the first Wayne's world movie while, um, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers are still on the show. Right. And then, uh, I'm sure in part because of the success of uh, Wayne's World, they decide, oh, let's do one of our classic characters and make them in a modern movie, and they make Coneheads. And yeah, it is the, okay. It is, it is not the best compared to the other movies. It's one of the best. <laughs> um but uh yeah it's it's just a weird it's a weird movie i remember seeing this also my dad making me watch this one and i remember being like i don't really get it and then he was like you have to watch the sketches and then he was showing me the the sketches and at that age i also i was like i don't i still don't get it <laughs> yeah. like they should have done the bumblebees or what what was that the the bee <laughs> family or whatever yeah so this one, what's interesting about this one is they brought in, there's just like, this cast is just stacked with mm-hmm. um, kind of up and coming people, kind of current cast members. So, you know, it's based on the Jane Curtin and Dan Aykroyd characters. Uh, it includes uh, Michael McKeon, David Spade, Farley, the com- the stand-up comedian Sinbad, Phil Hartman, R.I.B., Sandler, Jason Alexander, uh, Lorraine Newman, Garrett Morris, Drew Carey, um, Kevin Nealon, Jan Hooks, Parker Posey, Joan Lauren Adams, like a ton, a ton of uh, people. And basically it's like the Coneheads are trying to live their normal life and people uh, are uh, suspect that they are not from this world, which is like the yeah. sketch. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole the whole gimmick. Uh, and I think the thing that, uh, I, the, the thing I think about most with this movie is when they're in the car singing tainted love. Oh yeah. When they make their little on all the, on all the keyboard things. And I think that that was probably my first introduction to that song because I saw this in the theaters when I was 10. Oh gosh. I'm so sorry. I just, I remember feeling scarred from that dentist scene. Oh yeah. With love it. Uh, and, and he makes, he says, open your mouth and his mouth gets, gets so wide and he has so many teeth and I don't know how they did it, but they made their head look more like a male genitalia. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just remember being creeped out by that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so interesting. Cause like the ones that I, I guess I should care about more, like neither Roxbury Superstar and Ladies Man, because that was the time. Like I love that cast. Yeah, I love Will Ferrell. I love Tim Meadows. Um, I love uh, Molly Shannon, and I love the Mary Catherine Gallagher sketches. Um, it's just yeah. like those movies just kind of like did not capture my attention. I don't think they also they didn't do very well either. So I no. guess I won't feel responsible for not having uh, watched the movies. But like I. It's interesting that basically uh, looking back at these movies of the 11, there's a couple that are pretty good. Wayne's world and the blues brothers. I think like we talked about MacGruber is kind of misunderstood. 
Mm-hmm. Wrong, wrong place, wrong time. And then the rest of them really just feel like they were like Lauren was trying to cash in for 10 years. And then it just like never kind of hit the way that uh, they expected it to. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, because that's during his apex. <laughs> I think so. And I think it's also at a very strong time of the show that, you know, going yeah. to the early nineties with Spade and Sandler and Farley and Hartman and Myers and um, Dana Carvey, and then ending the nineties with, Sherry O'Terry and Will Forte and Tim Meadows and Chris Kattan and just had all this star power. But, and these people have gone on to make very good movies too, obviously. Like Will Ferrell is a movie star and Tim Meadows has had great appearances on both um, television and movies. Uh, the most recent thing I think I've seen with him is he had this uh, run on Brooklyn Nine-Nine where he was a cannibal uh, that, um, that, um, Peralta's that Jake Peralta meets in prison and he's amazing. Yeah. Like this very well-mannered cannibal. So they, but is also a cannibal. Like it's so, so good. And I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Molly Shannon's great. And so there's like all this talent, uh, but they just kind of seem, I think it's a really tough ask to make something that is four minutes into something that's, 90 minutes. I am very excited about uh, more MacGruber. If they were to make a SNL movie based on a recent character, either a current one or one in the in the recent past, what would you choose? Oh, man. You know who I'd want? Yeah. I would want uh, Dr. We Notice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that that would be so funny to watch. And I would want an origin story. How how he got there is like a, the tale through his life. I think that'd be, I think that'd be fun. You could do, basically, it, it could be like a parody of like that kind of great man narrative. Um, yeah. You know, kind of came from simple beginnings and then whatever. And I think Kate is such a presence. She'd be great yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, what about you? It's funny, as I was asking this question, I think I came up with a really good answer, at least for me. Uh, I would do it based on what's up with that. Oh, yeah. Because I think that it kind of... Oh, yeah. Because I I think it kind of marries the the things that I think we've talked about that are successful. Music. Right. uh, And um, and having kind of... I would love to know who... Um, the the main character from What's Up With That is outside of the confines of his show. Because like Wayne's World, we know that that is a person who is hosting a show. It's not like real life or anything. Right. So the idea that you could bring, you could have like his, one, I love Keenan, but you could have like the world around uh, the show. And, you know, I just imagine him having a very small budget, but also really strong, um, community connections. Cause like all those people that come in are these just like weirdos that he yeah. knows that do specific things. So it could be like all these people from his community that he gets and like brings on. And then just the idea that you could get a uh, hater as Lindsay Buckingham and have him never talk, <laughs> like find a reason for him to just keep on like not being able to like deliver whatever information he wanted to, to, um, <laughs> 
to that to the main guy from What's Up with That, and then you it involves Will Forte and Sadakis yeah. and um, over the years a bunch of different uh, female cast members that would do the background singers. Um, I just think it would, be, and then they would bring in real life celebrities, so that would be another fun thing. Like you could, yeah, because uh, they had that is one of the few uh, instances of profanity getting through on a live show uh, is Samuel Jackson accidentally saying the F word on live TV during what's up with that. Uh, yeah. I think it would be amazing. That yeah, is my you pitch. Could, you, uh, you could even make a scene about that exact moment and like them getting canceled now, like the what's up with that show getting canceled. Yeah. Well, in, <laughs> if you, have you seen that, that clip? Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It, it's so, it, but yeah, there's so much like, cause it's a, the sketch is the show right yeah. so that is awesome yeah that's a really good one but uh, you no you doubt. know what snl would do you what? know what they would do because they like making duds they would they would pick chad they would make a whole movie about chad oh uh, yeah <laughs> it, it, took me, like, it took me a second to realize what you were talking about but you're talking about the um pete davidson character yeah yeah a whole movie that's what they would do and they'd be like i don't know why i bombed you know i think that mcgruber is the thing that saved us from a penelope movie uh, or a yeah. gilly movie yeah target, target lady, lady commercial <laughs> thank you or a californians movie <laughs> californians movie would be i don't even know how you could do that <laughs> um, like unless again you uh agree to the reality that they are on a, a soap opera and then you see right. all those characters outside of the soap opera. Um, uh, but yeah, I, um, my, I like, I like uh, your idea with Wayne We Notice as a, like a faux documentary almost, or kind of, a, <laughs> we're interviewing him and like learning about his life as a, as a young person. I think Kate would be incredible. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about my fictitious, uh, what's yeah. up with that movie. Maybe Keenan will have time after he wraps the season of Keenan. Cause it's one of those things where it's like, He's still there. Yeah. But he's basically like retired that sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Because true. he's just got so many other things to do. What, what, when's the last time he did that sketch? Uh, give me one second. I'll tell you. Cause he, um, cause it's interesting. Cause he did it after Forte left because Forte was like the announcer. So they kept a, they did it with after that. And, but I think they may be, uh, got rid of it after um, after Sudeikis left because he was kind of like the last original person other than Keenan. So mm. they, I, the last time they, oh, that's interesting. The last time they did it was in 2012. Wow. Um, back, or maybe, mm, maybe, um, mm, Okay. So he did it. So they did it in 2012. And that's the Samuel Jackson one. Yeah, but they did it, uh, what, they did it nine times? Wow. Over the course of uh, the years. And they had, like, you know, over all those sketches, they had James Franco, Al Gore, Mike Tyson, Mindy Kaling, Jack McBrayer, Paul Rudd, Frank Rich, Morgan Freeman, Ernest Borgnine, Robin Williams, Paul Simon, uh, the actual Lindsey Buckingham, Bill O'Reilly, Kate Upton, Samuel Jackson, and Carrie Brownstein from uh, Portlandia. 
And then this most recent one, it must've been when uh, Barkley hosted because uh, what I'm seeing is that he was in it and that seems right. But God, I love what's up with that. It's such a good sketch. It's so good. There were so many iconic sketches and characters, I think from 2007 to 2012. Yes. That was a great period. Yeah, and if you want to see all the what's up with that, the SNL conveniently put them in one of those uh, compendiums of all of them. Oh, uh, so cool. it's, uh, th- it's a three-part video. Oh. Uh, so they have it broken up into three different uh, parts because they're you know they're pretty lengthy sketches. So I guess the the most recent one is yeah the one with uh, well they have it yeah the, the most recent one is the one with um, Samuel Jackson where he cusses. Maybe that's why that was the last one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So uh, that is that is my pitch for a future SNL movie. So thank you, Randall, for talking about Saturday Night Live movies with me. Thank you, man. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. So we'll be back uh, next week with another kind of kind of history episode of some kind. We'll announce that later, and then uh, week after that. We're back to new episodes of Saturday Night Live with Maya Rudolph, who is just so good everywhere. And I am so excited for her to be back on uh, SNL. She's such a good cast member. And obviously bringing her back at the beginning of the season as Kamala, we'll be able to see her do that as well as any number of things. She's just so great. Yeah, yeah. Please uh, follow us. On uh, social media, you can find us on Twitter at SN Rewind. You can follow Randall at this at Fresh Cut Randall on all sorts of different places. You can find me at Mr. B Paradise. You can email us at SNRewindPod at gmail.com. And if you are liking what we're doing, thank you. And if you'd like to express that, you can uh, make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also review and rate us because that helps other people find us. And we're having a good time and we want to have a good time with even more people. So uh, thank you uh, so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. See you guys.